0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good morning, everyone. Um, hope you've been blessed this week, and just to echo the words of Phil, Happy Mother's Day to all all the amazing women uh, within our church family, to my own mum as well if you're watching. Happy Mother's Day, Mum. Today we're just going to continue on with um, this, this amazing topic of the Lord's Prayer. We want to look and unpack these incredible words that Jesus leads us into. There's no better place to be able to go than just to centre ourselves, than to submit ourselves and sit at the feet of Jesus. And listen to his words of life. And so today we just want to pick it up again and just unpack much of where we're going into. Listen, where I've been the last couple of times, I've been looking at this with you. You know where we've looked at just the context of which these um, familiar words, hopefully you're praying it with us. If you've set an alarm for 12 o'clock each day, just to pray this wherever you're at. But these really familiar words the context into which they are written and were spoken into, were coming out of a place of a question. and The disciples have recognized there's just something that's just so radically different about the words of Jesus, about the way in which he prays and the way in which he engages with prayer, which is so fresh and so different to the way in which they were used to. They see something different as well, even in the, in the life of John's disciples, that there's something so freeing about prayer. Imagine that, that this was being asked out of a place of hunger because they recognize there's something more to experience in this. I don't know whether you feel that hunger yourself for this in prayer. I recognize as well, though, that perhaps for the disciples it might have been coming out of a place of comparison and insecurity, but whatever way that was, simply they framed us that the very first thing that we come to is where they ask this question, Lord, teach us, to pray. I hope, hope you can see that, guys. I'm not sure if I can see this uh, on on the, the screen in front of me. But Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. Lord, would you teach us? Significantly, I don't know about you, but for me. I know if I was sitting in that context in which they were being asked, I'd be sitting thinking to myself, if I were Jesus, right, what's my best sermon or my best thoughts in prayer, and trying to unpack something about this that can almost try to give the best teach possible on prayer, but Jesus, instead of doing something just to reveal more about prayer itself specifically, he almost uses it as an opportunity to point to not just what, but who prayer is about, and so this is where we've Really hit heavily the last couple of weeks. This is all about Abba Father, our Father together, and Jesus just presses into this Father, He loves us, desires relationship with us, and Jesus anchors that everything about prayer is about this it 's about the father we 're going to be looking a little bit more about that today, and so we explored over the last couple of sessions then a little bit more then about how prayer is actually part of our adoration it 's part of our worship as we come to him, hopefully. You might have practiced it off the back of the last time I was here, but we looked about even in the, in the beauty and the simplicity about how we can enter into prayer. We looked at those words of Brennan Manning, the Abba prayer, Abba, I belong to you. The beautiful the sense of being able to position and center ourselves in that. And then last week, as Phil said, David Legg began to introduce us around this idea of petition. The Lord's Prayer, listen, this is what we've been praying. In the opening words, this is where we're looking at this this week and over the next few weeks as well. But it simply says this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We're, we're flowing along with life groups, uh, with the prayer course, and so where we're at, Where while Phil and I, we are bringing our own teach to this, um, so that we're flowing along with where the life groups are at. Today, we are, and last week and today, we're looking at these words in this, give us today our daily bread. We will next week begin to center back and begin to look at the words before about your will be done and your kingdom come. We'll look at the significance of those words. But the reason why... Why we took a few weeks um, to really press into the opening part of the prayer and begin to look at the significance of relationship is because I don't know about you, but for me, when it comes to these words, "Give us today our daily bread," it just seems to be that for many people, this is the main focus of prayer. Maybe it's the only focus of prayer. It's where it's God we're coming to Him with our asks and our requests. Maybe things like God, give me this. God, I need that. God, move in this for me, or God, move in this for us, for as a family. And the thing I want to say at the beginning, right, just to be really clear with this, asking is not a bad thing. It's a really important thing. And Jesus wants to reveal the power and the beauty of asking. But again, we began by looking at this, that the reality is, is that the focus of prayer is about the relationship with Father who is in heaven. In the, in, the life group, in the life groups in the first week of the course, we looked at the significance of the beauty of this, that in the Garden of Eden, Imagine this, that as Adam and Eve, as they walked and talked with God in the cool of the day, this is before sin came into the world. There was no brokenness. There was no hurt. There was no need. And at that point, Adam and Eve, they just enjoyed just walking and talking with God. Imagine that. Imagine how beautiful that was. That's a crucial thought to hold. We're going to come back to that at the end. But the reality is sin came into the world. The thing that it didn't change, though, is that it didn't change that prayer is still fundamentally about relationship father desires relationship but yet now in the midst of brokenness in the midst of a fallen word the world the father wants to now engage in relationship with us so that he can now help us with our struggles and so jesus starts to lead us in the lord's prayer to recognize that it is an important part of prayer to ask father for help he's interested in our lives imagine that the Bible's also really clear in other parts. So here's three verses you see on your screen. Listen, there's stacks and stacks of verses. You can look them up, Google search. Verses about asking God for help. But here's just three. Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you shall honor me. Lamentations 3, 55. I called on your name, O Lord, out of the lowest pit. Psalm 18, verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry for help came before him into his ears. There's something about crying for help and being able to say, God, I need your help. The Father wants to be there to help us because he loves us as his children sometimes we can call to him yes for help for guidance for wisdom for him to move in different ways and uh, and during during the very first talk that I did on this in the Lord's prayer one of the the prophetic pictures which we, we offered that day was simply from the words of Jesus. When he was asked about the significance of the kingdom of heaven and about entering into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, rather than going and uh, teach what Jesus does, is one of the most beautiful, powerful images. He gets a child, and he sits the child in front of them. And, uh, and the child in, in that context, which is so easily belittled and degraded and put down, and he puts the child in front of them, and he says these words, You read them down at the bottom. Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is simply saying this, that unless we become almost like with a mindset of it's something in like childlike faith, there's something about the kingdom of heaven that we just almost miss all together. And so it's, it's crucial for us to understand this. I don't know about you if you have... If you have children at home, um, it might be young of age. But it seems, just seems to be, isn't it, that just children just seem to ask questions all the time. They ask lots and lots and lots of questions. And when I think about this imagery that Jesus is sending us, we become like a little child. You know, one of the things that I recognize is this, is that questions are a key part of growth. You see that on your screens. Questions are a key part of growth. It's important for us. God wants us to be able to bring some of the questions that we have and the key questions that we have to him. I love these stats I just read during the week um, on Google about questions. Some studies show four-year-olds ask as many as 200 to 300 questions a day. Kids ask an average of 40,000 questions between the ages of two and five. And yet here's the startling fact. As kids go to school, the number of questions they ask Declines. I would imagine that if you were to follow that on and even look about it as we grow older, even into our age, that's probably the, the graph if you're looking at the number of questions we go further down and down and down. There seems to be something within us that there's almost something about whether it's perfectionism or there's something about weakness that if, we're, if we almost don't have it all together and we have to ask something or someone for help because we're not sure that there's something weak about that, there's something uns- unsure about that, something with a lack of subtleness about us in that which is completely false. And the reality is for us, and this is what Jesus is saying, is that one of the key focuses of prayer for us is to be able to ask and to petition the Father. One of the the definitions of petition is simply this. Maybe you've signed many online petitions. This is a, a definition of petition. It's a formal request, typically one signed by many people, appealing to authority in respect of a particular cause. When we come and we ask and we petition the Father who loves us, this is petitioning God authority above everything, and we're asking him for help. And the reality is, Father wants us to be able to talk to him. Jesus makes this really clear. Listen to these words in Matthew chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, and it will be given to you. There's nothing wrong with asking. Jesus is making this clear. Yes, while we've started with the significance of what prayer is about, it's about relationship and our ability to be able to talk and commune with the Father. But one of the things that the Father wants to do is he wants to help us. And so really significant for us with this is it's important for us to bring our asks to him. Before before we just move on just into some of the next points, there's one of the things I just really want to say with us. When we think about children, and we think about that thought, you know, that this is a key opportunity for growth. You see, ultimately, the Father wants us to grow. The Father wants us to grow, become more like him, to grow in, with the fruit of the kingdom in our lives. We looked at that the first week, that that's ultimately about what it's, this is about in our lives, is about producing fruit. And ultimately what we see is with this is that if we, what many of us do, is that with the issues and the insecurities that we have, because of fear about what people would think and other reasons, we just keep it locked inside. And we're left alone with the struggles that we have. And instead of it being growth in our lives, what actually happens is that it causes us to retreat. And it causes damage to us. It causes hurt to us. And it causes many, many things to almost step backwards in our lives. And see, one of the crucial things then is that as we bring it to the Father and as we start to talk about it in this way... Hopefully through this, that Father's ultimate desire is that it allows us, almost like we would see with little children, it allows us to start to grow into the things of God. Let's never be afraid to ask for help. Yes, with other people, but specifically with your Father in heaven. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And this is why Jesus would say about the Holy Spirit, He's helper. His Spirit is with us. He loves you. He wants to help us. So God wants us to bring our asks to him and he also wants us to bring our desires. But here's a question. What actually are our desires? David shared last week this verse in Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And he referenced this, you know, that as we grow in the things of the Lord and we grow in our closeness with him, that actually what starts to happen is that we start to grow in the, in the same likeness and the same mindset of Christ that suddenly and ultimately what happens is that our desires start to become like his and so we're praying in agreement with that but you know for me one of the things that I would add on top of that so when I think about number of questions that children can ask I know for me that when I pray with God it's actually allowing me to see because you know the way there's some things in your life that It can either be desire or it can just be some things that are just almost like whims or fancies or just different things that you have in your life that suddenly just grab your attention or grab your thought. And because of much of the weakness that presents itself in our lives, I'm admitting this about myself, sometimes things can just pop into your mind like, oh, I would like that, I would want that. And it's really not ultimately all about a God-given desire that's deep within us. And it's important for us to start to reckon. And so as we speak these things out with God in prayer, it starts to help us to frame and understand. In the next few weeks, we're going to be looking about unanswered prayers, about what happens in those things when we pray to God and we ask God for things and it just seems to be nothing, whether to know no or there's nothing that's actually happening. But I would say this for me, one of the things that happens is that sometimes even in a period of waiting, it allows me to recognize one of two things. That the fact that the prayer hasn't materialized the way that I wanted it or the way that I prayed it, it helps me to see firstly if there's a if there's a issue or there's a place of peace that started to settle inside me about that. I recognize that actually I'm okay without that. It's not actually a God-given desire for something for me to really press after. But there are other times in prayer that when I am waiting. And continue to wait on God for that, it causes me to want to press in further and further and further into these things. I see this so much, even in the life of children again. I'd said to you last week that i wasn 't going to try and talk too much more about my kids, but I can 't help it. Um, I just learned so much from them. I love them, and uh, even especially in this area of prayer and so again here's here 's my two. This is Rose and Josiah quickly about Josiah that's statistic we looked at earlier about how kids I know he's older than four but can ask 200 to 300 questions a day man there's some days that he would blow that right out of the water he just would ask a lot of questions and uh, he's um, I'm starting to see that there's real development with him there's real thankfulness and gratitude starting to grow in him seeing him maturing in so many ways but one of the things about him that he gets so easily caught with different things that just constantly he seems to ask for the next thing that catches his imagination. And let me tell you this, like not in a dramatic sort of way, but probably just, but Christmas was a bit of a disaster. And uh, so we've, we've just been through a year, like there's lived through a pandemic and obviously there's so much that's going on in our lives and so we had thought wouldn't it be great actually that we'll we'll write letters early to Santa you know help Santa get prepared in the midst of pandemics all those sort of things but yet Josiah had so many different things I would like this no I'd like that I would like this and depending on who he was speaking to in school um, friends or cousins at home, whatever that might have been, things were changing constantly. Even right up to the end of November, start of December, there were other letters that were being written to Santa saying, Santa, scrap that last letter I wrote you, this is actually now what I want. And it was just like it was changing all the time. And yet it seems to me that that can so easily be what happens in our lives. When it comes to being able to recognize ultimately what is desire for us. We need to constantly be able to press in for this in our lives. We need to press in and to follow God in in what is happening. And in prayer, as we wait in prayer, it's almost like that for me. It allows me to see this ultimately is desire. Jesus told this parable about a persistent widow in Luke 18. We'll not take time to read all of this, but you'll see just as as we flick through this, he tells about this judge and there's this widow who's coming before him who's asking him for justice and the the judge is is starting to, to, to answer the prayer or the request of this woman and he gives in and he says because she's asked so many times and then listen to what Jesus says at the end of this and the Lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? One of the things that's important for us when it comes to this area of petition is this, there needs to be a persistence in our petition. There's some of those things again that as we pray and ultimately when we feel that maybe if things aren't coming, it causes almost a settleness and a peace within us that actually we're okay, that that's maybe not for now. But there are certain things that when we sense that, actually this is a God-given thing, that we need to persist in petition. We need to keep pressing in and asking the Father. He desires for us to continue to pray and continue to knock and to continue to seek and to hold him to his promises. Persist in petition. If you're waiting for something and you believe it's a God-given desire in your life, persist. Keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Don't give up. Persist in petition. You have a Father who loves you. And just two things, just ultimately, just to say it, just as we finish, just in these last ten minutes, when it comes to petition or to petition. There, there's a couple of things that I think we need to be clear of just about uh, how, how we perceive certain aspects when it comes to our relationship with God and ultimately when it comes to praying and asking him. And uh, and the, these things I think are important for us. The, the posture of petition or the mindset of petition is important for us to think about. The posture of petition or the mindset of petition. The posture, so how we see ourselves, we uh, where we are in relation to God and our relationship and the mindset, just what, what, what we actually perceive the Father is, is thinking about us in this way. And the first thing we need to be really clear of, so remember this, ultimately, this is where we started. If this is about relationship, there's two people involved in the relationship. There's the Father and there's you. There's the Father and there's you. And when it comes to prayer and when it comes to relationship is because sometimes we have a wrong mindset or a wrong understanding of Father or how the Father sees us and a wrong mindset about ourselves, the first thing that's really important for us to grasp is this, the Father's heart, the Father's heart is to provide for our needs. The Father's heart is always to provide for our needs. Ultimately, this is what he wants. He desires to lead us to a place, firstly, of being satisfied with our needs, not about our grades and going over and above, as David said last week. And as we grow in our relationship with him, it brings us to this place of settledness. I love this verse in 1 Timothy. Paul says this to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. This word for contentment actually means a a, a feeling of settledness, and that as we grow in our godliness and we grow in our Christlikeness, it brings a feeling of settledness in our lives. And God, this is God's desire that we wouldn't just be blown about from one thing to the next, almost what I would say, and we see sometimes in, in the life of children where they would ask and just grasp for different things. But ultimately, as we start to grow in Him, there, there, there produces this sense of settledness that we are settled in it. Actually, He becomes the joy and the focus of our lives. It's ultimately about Him. When we come to that place, it is of great gain. But listen to this, the heart of the Father is to meet at least our basic of needs. Let me say that again, the heart of the Father is to meet at least our most basic of needs, what we need to live, what we need to survive. Don't just take my words. These are the words of Jesus, really well-known words, straight off the back of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches this in Matthew 6. You see it on your screens. Therefore, I tell you, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And listen to this. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The Father desires to meet our needs. And two, two questions on this, two things, just very practically, I think is really important for you to press into. And for me, I felt that, I felt that to be honest, this week the Father led me in this. Not for speaking this morning, but actually in my own life. On, on Tuesday, I had gone over to Portadown to deliver something to someone from church. And on the way back, I stopped off at Craigavon Lakes. Just, and uh, I really wanted to get some time just alone with God. There was just a couple of bigger things we were really praying into as a family. I'm not going to go into the specifics of those. But as I, I was praying and spending time with God, I, I started to feel God just send what, what me, what do you need? And, uh, and I said, Well, you know what I need? And, and I, I named a thing and I said, like, but, but what do you need? And, and I felt the Father asking me to start being quite specific with Him. And, and the, these two things, very practically, I, like, I felt laid on myself. And I feel it's really important for all of us when it comes to this idea of petitioning and asking the Father, because sometimes our mind can get so easily caught in lots of different things. And so the first thing really important when it comes to petitionary prayer is simply this. Be clear in ourselves when defining what really are our needs. Be clear in ourselves when defining what really are our needs. And then secondly, be specific when asking the Father for them. I felt the Father really saying that to me this week. Be specific and ask me what it is. And then finally, the third thing, sorry, I forgot there was a third point, is simply this. Ask with thankfulness. We're told this in the book of Philippians. You know, as we make our requests known unto the Lord, we do it with thankfulness. I felt the Father when I was praying on Tuesday during the week at the Craig Avon Lakes. I felt the Lord's, you know, as I was praying, I was just trying to be thankful, you know, and just and framing it and I just am so thankful for all that we have. And, and I was asking God, I so God, let's not asking this out of greed, but this is what I feel we just need at the moment. Being able to speak that out to Father, who I know loves me. And it isn't about because I'm thinking that this is some like magic wand, you know, that as I do it, that I'll definitely going to get it. But even that night, like the prayer still hasn't been answered, but even that night, there was stuff that started to shift straight off the back of this. And I saw the significance even in my own life. This was God speaking to me, but I just want to just share it with you this morning. I saw the significance of being specific with our request. Firstly, being clear, what actually do we need? What really genuinely are the needs and the desires in our lives? And be specific, because Father wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to those things about him. And do it in a posture of thankfulness, not in a, oh, well, isn't this rubbish? Look at my life, isn't it really bad? No, we're thankful for all that we have. But Father, even in the midst of thankfulness, th- these, these are our needs that we bring to you. This is a Father who loves us. And so this week, I'd really love to encourage you, as you petition, do it with thankfulness and be specific with what you have. And then finally, the last thing that we just need to be really clear on. So when it comes to that idea of relationship, it's defining who is Father and has thought about us. But then in the relationship, there's also us. There's me. There's you. And, uh, you know, when we ask God in prayer, it can be difficult for people for many reasons again we 've said that in the last couple of weeks so we need to go into that around comparison and insecurity, but another major, major stumbling block for people can often be in how we perceive that we ourselves are seen by God. If I was to ask you just even in one word to define what do you think the Father thinks about you? What would you say? In one word, if I was to ask you, what do you think the Father thinks about you? What would you say? You see, what so often happens is that we simply project onto God how we feel about ourselves. Pascal wrote this. I love this quote I read during the week. He said, God made man in his own image, and man returned the compliment. God made man in his own image, man returned the compliment. And therefore, if we feel hatred about ourselves, we assume that God hates us. If we dislike ourselves, we feel that God dislikes us. If we feel shame about ourselves, we feel that God might be ashamed of us. If we are struggling to accept ourselves, we feel that God struggles to accept us. What we feel about ourselves, we portray unto God. And all comes maybe perhaps from hurts from the past, moments of failures or weaknesses in our current life at the moment. And it leaves us ultimately in this place of these two words, self-loathing and self-rejection. These two big areas, self-loathing and self rejection. And because of that, we struggle to see truly how the Father loves us and what the Father really thinks about us. Yes, we can accept we are his sons and daughters, but we struggle to accept that unconditional love that he really loves us and just wants to be in relationship with us. And it's almost like that any time we come before God, we think that we've got to almost try to work something around, to almost get him to like us again, to almost get him to, like, to look away from the disdain that he might have for us. It's not how he sees us. It's not how he thinks about us. He loves us. He cares about us. Henry Nouwen writes this, self-rejection is the greatest enemy of spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. And here's, uh, here's the thing that's really clear, when we, dare, when we dare to live as forgiven men and women, we stand in agreement with how the Father sees us, and listen, that changes everything. Let me say that again, when we dare to live as forgiven men and women, we stand in agreement with how the Father sees us, and that changes everything coming into agreement with that. It means that we get to that place of recognizing and understanding the Father, accepting how He sees us, and it frees us. It frees us and releases us to freely talk to Him once again. And to ask boldly. Listen, this in itself is the Garden of Eden almost being restored. This is where Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's not on your screens. He says, Be reconciled to God. We've been entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation, but that through this, God's Spirit speaking through us and working through us, we tell people, Be reconciled to God. God wants to reconcile and restore us to relationship. This is redemption. It's not just about getting us a ticket to heaven, but it's about redeeming us to be able to be in relationship with God, where we can freely talk with Him once again and enjoy Him once again and be able to ask Him about anything. Listen, this is why Paul would be able to say, I pray without ceasing, because we just walk and we're talking in this constant communion. We're able to talk to God about anything at all. And the writer of Hebrews would say this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive and find grace to help us when in our time of need. And, uh, and as, as I wrap this up, the, the worship guys are going to come. We're going to finish with some worship this morning just with a song. Uh, as I wrap this up, one of the most significant questions that has been spoken down the years to us from the Garden of Eden, and, uh, and I felt that this is just a question that the Spirit wants to speak and leave us with this morning, You know, in these areas of how we view ourselves and the likes of shame or self-loathing or self-rejection, the first time we ever see it presenting itself in the Bible is when sin enters the world. In Genesis chapter 3, we read this. It says, then the man and his wife, so this is straight after sins come into the world, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This father who they've walked with time and time again. And what happens? And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Shame. Listen to this. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Ultimately, when God asks that question, God knew what had happened. God knew where they were. It wasn't a question of condemnation. When you hear that question, you can read it in one of two ways. If any of you are into football, I think of those words. Um, I think it was Delia, Delia Smith. She's from Norwich. She's one of the directors or something in Norwich City. But years ago, there was just this real awkward moment where she went out onto the pitch at halftime and started shouting at the fans this question, Where are you? <laughs> it's not what God's doing. He's not shouting in anger. But here what we see is that a heart of love kind a desire for relationship. He said to Adam, Adam, where are you? How long for you? And these are the, the two questions and the two things you see on your screen. The Spirit is asking this morning, where are you? And to some people, there's an invitation come out of the shadows. Where are you? Come out of the shadows. Some of you are hiding in the shadows of shame. And hurt and disappointment. You know what? God God desires to engage with us. Not in spite of our weaknesses and our feelings. Because that would mean that almost he accepts and is okay with it. Which he's not because he's holy. But even in the midst of that. His love for us doesn't diminish. It just never changes. And so his question this morning is where are you? Whatever shadow you're hiding in, there's an invitation. To, there's an invitation to relationship once again to come out. I feel that some of you are hiding in a shadow of religion. Even talking with some people this week around everything we're talking about in life groups, there's a struggle sometimes with still how you've been. You feel you should pray. There's a come out of the shadows and just experience this. today. I've asked the guys just to sing this song, and then I'm going to come up and pray off the back of it. Last time we finished, and I feel it's really important that even in our worship now that we just declare truth. The last time I finished by just us simply being able to pray those words of the Abba prayer, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. We know that we're sons and daughters. But into this, I feel that it's important that we speak and we declare words of truth. And so Sarah and the guys who are going to just lead us in just a really well-known song. Um, and uh, I was asking Sarah about this just a song from we speaking the guys at the back we think maybe from the 90s some point the guys all think that I just love the songs from Wild Worship Volume 1 all all the old songs but I I love the words of this I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and listen I am accepted (laughs) you are condemned I'd love us just to sing and worship this together as truth, when your homes stand, kneel, sit, let's just worship Jesus in these words, and then I'm going to come and just pray for us off the back of it. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.